Hello and welcome to Offstage, the backstage podcast where we find out all about the world of theatre and the people in it. This week we have Sarah Hemming, who is a theatre critic, and we find out all about the world of reviewing theatre and theatre critiquing. Hope you enjoy. It's opening night. Thank you so much. You must be so busy, and uh, we always do this to people. We always sort of nag people, and they, you know, amazingly they turn up. Yeah, so, finally uh, get a little window of time to talk to you. About but we've what got you now, so you know yeah. we're going to bombard you with questions, <laughs> yes. unfortunately. Um, so where does it all start for you? Um, well, like many people, I think um, when I was at university, there was a university press. You know, you had a newspaper, student newspaper back in the day. Um, but I was at Edinburgh. University. So as well as the regular student newspaper, we had a, a magazine that covered the festival called Festival Times. And I used to hang around in the summer and work on that as well. And working on that, of course, you, the Edinburgh Professor, you've got thousands and thousands of shows. So I started writing about shows. I started, I worked as um, an editor on that uh, magazine as well. So I started thinking about how you cover theatre, um, which shows to cover, how to what features to run, things like that. So that's how I got into it. Um, it's quite a long story how I got into doing it professionally, but um, from that, still living in Edinburgh, a couple of friends and I, we set up an actual magazine. So um, at that point, Edinburgh and Glasgow didn't have um, a listings magazine like Time Out. And we're talking back in the midst of time before the internet, so <laughs> people needed a listings magazines really. And we started the magazine from scratch called The List, which is still going. Yeah. Um, and we, yeah, we sat around um, Robin the Publisher's kitchen table. <laughs> we sort of planned it all out. We lived on, honestly, baked beans for months and months. We scarcely slept. When we first started it, um, we sort of auditioned people basically for the different jobs and the this, um, gentleman came around and wanted to be the books editor and he came to meet these dynamic young people who <laughs> started this magazine and both I and my co-editor were asleep under the table <laughs> in the office because we hadn't had any sleep. It was fantastic fun. It was, um, and I, the, you know, really the bug bit, then I was supposed to be writing a PhD and I just dumped it. Um, so, <laughs> you cut that bit. <laughs> Seriously though, um, it just, I, I, I got to absolutely, I love theatre, I like theatre anyway, I love mm. theatre anyway, but I got to love the act of, the business of writing about it, of trying to cover it, of trying to do that well. Um, of, and again, because I was working as an editor and a writer, of thinking about what you do, how you do it, doing interviews as well, doing features. Um, so that's, that's how I got into doing it professionally. At the same time, I started writing for the Times newspaper um, uh, now and again, because, and the route into that, sorry, I'll try and keep this as brief as possible. No, 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 it's fine. The route into that was that I happened to know, because of what I'd been studying, a bit about um, an obscure Austrian play and the Edinburgh Festival, again, which was my sort of nursery, I suppose, mm -hmm. um, happened to be putting on this obscure Austrian play. And 
I knew very little about it, but the very little I knew was more than Everyone else. what most yeah. people yeah. knew about it. And a dear friend of mine said, look, why don't you write to the national newspapers and ask them if they'd like a feature? And I said, don't be silly, they don't want a feature from me. And he said, no, go on, do it. Um, great friend of mine, he was a wonderful, um, inspirational person. So I wrote to all these arts editors, Most I didn't hear back from mm. most of them. And John Higgins from The Times, who really believed in nurturing young writers, got back to me and said, OK, send me something you've written. So I did. And he said, all right, you're on. Write this feature. Wow. So I wrote this <laughs> feature. I mean, I'm in, forever indebted to him, really. Yeah, so that sure. sort of open mind. Um, after he died, I think they set up a sort of, uh, some sort of bursary or prize for young writers to try and bring people on. He really believed um, in doing that. And so he gave me my chance, really. And from there, I started to do occasional reviews for him from Scotland. So I sort of, the two things rolled forward together. Um, so that's how I got into it. Oh, it's yeah, a long, long, long saga. But it was a sort of long, slow love affair, really. Yeah. Um, and I still, <clears throat> years later, <laughs> love theatre. I just love it. I love walking into, I just, I went to see Carol Church's place the other day. You know, the lights go down, you go, yeah. what's happening? Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah. yeah so... So with that love of theatre, where yeah. did that kind of begin? Were you, like, as a child going to the theatre? Um, I grew up in Liverpool. Um, I didn't see all that, all that much theatre as a child. I remember going to the pantomime and being absolutely, totally confused, because they were very blue in those days. Oh, I had right, no yes. idea what was going on, <laughs> really. Um, I think, thinking back, probably, as a young child, I was taken to see Swan Lake, and I... I just wanted to like so many little girls wants to be a ballerina. Mm. But I think looking back it was this the sheer magic of somebody telling a story live on stage. I think and I think that was the moment really when it first you know, that possibility first bit. And after that I tried a bit of acting at university. All the actors out there will be very pleased to know I was absolutely rubbish at it. <laughs> um, Part off the press. <laughs> leg used to, my leg used to shake when I went on stage. I think I've got this, I've got this, and then my left leg would just shake. So I just I But I did I did love it, but I discovered that writing about it is another thing you can do, actually trying to bring yourself into the room and write it, and then write well about it. I thought was I gradually discovered that I loved that as mm. well, actually. So um, yeah, um, an early bite from the bug, <laughs> and then a slow developing <laughs> disease. <laughs> Wonderful. So the Financial Times, how has your work developed over the years that you've been working for them? Well, before, I mean, in between me <laughs> as, a, as a rookie writing for the Times, I mean, writing for the FT, I've written all over the place, actually. Mm. I've written sort of bits and pieces for most of the national papers one time or another. I worked for The Independent for a long time. Okay. Um, and that was fantastic, because when they started, they were another new, exciting new venture. Um, sad to think now, since the actual printed paper is no longer with us, but it was um, a time of growth and expansion and new thinking about how you cover stuff. So I, I loved that. Worked with them for a while. And then I joined the FT. They... I was lucky actually, I'd sort of, um, the independent had started losing staff um, and I was one of them. <laughs> mm. um, it was when they started to, they were beginning to sort of lose money really. Um, and my situation had to coincide with the FT looking for somebody uh, as one of their um, second stringers. As the, um, so I was, that was pure luck. And I started writing 
um, reviews more of fringe shows and um, they've just never managed to shake me off since then. <laughs> <laughs> um, Grabbed uh, on tight with both hands <laughs> and you're not letting go. <laughs> yeah. And now, um, you know, slowly things have changed and people have come and gone and I'm still there. And now it's just me, really, mm. um, with some assistance from other wonderful writers who are around, but I'm writing a sort of, um, sort of theatre column now once a week, so uh, that's how it's developed. Mm. Um, of course, a lot has changed with you know social media and the and the, the papers going on online. You have to think in a slightly different way now. Um, interestingly, longer pieces apparently get more clicks. So the idea of writing a bigger column is um, is more uh, viable for various reasons. I'm actually surprised you say that because I thought <clears throat> in this day and age people would just want to sort of see a headline Snip and a few and yeah exactly and then you know yeah. don't get bored and. You know, move yes, on to the you, next you thing. Yes, you think, but apparently when people actually click on things and read them through, it's the longer, it's longer, smaller pieces tend to get a bit lost online, apparently. Mm. So, um, yes, it's a funny combination, isn't it, of instant gratification, but also um, being able to scroll up and down and read longer things, and maybe not having to carry a big mm. thing around with you, maybe, I yeah. don't know, maybe that's one reason behind it. But, um, yes, it's slowly developed, and now, I, now what I do for them is I, I do reviews, and I do features podcasts and things sometimes um, I love doing features I love doing interviews I love meeting people creative people it's a real privilege I mean I actually think I've got you know I'm so lucky it's <laughs> <laughs> such a wonderful job I see stuff that blows my mind you know it makes me weep that makes me laugh but all the time it's um, it's a great privilege to be honest how are you approached to critique a show so if you are going through the FT does that come from someone going we'd like you to go to this theatre and critique that? Do producers come to you? Um, most theatres and big shows have press contacts. They have uh, press representatives who um, send out press releases to newspapers and to individual journalists and critics. So I get a lot of emails myself. I get a lot of emails from um, press representatives about you know, so I'll get the Royal Courts, for instance, the National Theatres, etc. And also individual um, companies that represent um, West End shows and things like that. They'll send you press releases. So you have a, and I have a list, of, mm -hmm. I've got my own sort of list of what's opening that's big um, and interesting and so forth. Uh, the FT gets some stuff, yes, and they send it on to me. Um, then what I'll do is I'll compile a list of the coming month of the things that are you know, that, that we most want to see and then go and have a meeting with the arts editor and try and get okay. as many of them in as possible. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, it's, it's very tricky because one problem with the FT is, um, and I th think this is probably happening in the other places as well, is you can't be completist anymore. You can't do, you want to do everything and you just can't. So trying to decide which things to do is very painful actually because, um, you know, you... you if you don't see smaller shows, you don't always see stuff that's coming through that's, re that's going to be really significant. I mean, just before we started talking formally, we were chatting about Fleabag. Now, Fleabag emerged, you know, on the fringe, at the Edinburgh Fringe. Uh, if somebody hadn't, you know, seen that, if people hadn't related to it, you know, the whole thing snowballed. Yeah. It's important to see what's around, you know, what's, what new people are doing and what new trends are coming through. So anyway, we have, a, we have a meeting and try and work out which things to do. Um, and then I go back to the press officers and say, yes, I'll, um, I'm, please can you let me come? Yeah. Um, 
do you often find that meeting is a bit of a battle? <laughs> that there's something you're really passionate you want to see and then other people aren't really going along with it? No, no. I mean, we have a, you know, um, I wouldn't want to say a battle. That would be, we have a very nice working relationship. <laughs> no, I have a lovely relationship with my, um, with my editor. I really do. I'm not just saying that. Um, you know, it's more a mutual sort of agonising and headache, you know, head scratching over what we can fit in, mm. um, really. Um, I always want to do more than we can do. Um, uh, I'm also limited a little bit now because only one of me, um, so it's just how much I can get around as well. And uh, yes, it's uh, it's not a battle exactly, but it's a, it's a there's a lot of discussion about what the priorities are actually, mm. and that's a constantly rolling thing. Obviously, really, um, you have to do the big shows, but if you don't do the smaller things, you don't see what's coming through. So it's a yeah. bit, you know that's tricky. How many uh, how many shows would you kind of see in a week or a month? In a month, um, probably around about between twelve and fifteen, I should think. I'm seeing, I'm seeing, I'm covering about three a week at the moment. That doesn't mean wow. I'm only seeing three a week. Right. Um, some weeks is more, some is fewer. Um, then you get these people like Shakespeare who write these like you know the fourth pot one and two. <laughs> no, but it's uh, and you know Harry Potter, huh? but no, mm. it's uh, yeah, it depends a bit, but. Uh, I'd like, I wish I did more, I'd like to do more, but, um, you know, you have to also... Well, there's only a certain amount you of... You have to yeah, wash your hair occasionally. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> only occasionally. Yeah, once a month, yeah. yeah. So when you are reviewing, mm. um, what kind of things are you looking for? What makes, a, in your eyes, a good show? Oh, that's a million difficult, dollar question. Difficult question, That's yeah. a million dollar question. <laughs> what makes a good show? Um... I wouldn't say, I mean, I wouldn't go in, for instance, with a checklist, like, you know, dick, dick, dick. Mm. <laughs> um, I think, for me, the best shows, actually, the ones where I forget to write, you know, I'm not writing anything down. I'm not, I'm just in it. Mm. Whatever that is, whether that's something that is so moving that I've lost, you know, that I'm just watching, the, I'm just watching it. Whether it's something that's making me laugh so, so much that I've forgotten, you know, everything else. Um, whether it's just something for somebody being amazing doing a tap dance um, or whether it's something like you know Copenhagen where you're just sort of like what's going on trying to understand yeah, 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 you yeah. know with it so I think it's something uh, it's a long-winded way of saying I think it's something where you feel completely engaged actually whatever that is whether that's a new play or a musical or you know a, a fabulous um, staging of Hamlet or something um, it's that that you look for. It's the, it's the liveness. It's the being there. It's the sort of forgetting everything else, being with a group of people and just going, I'm here now watching this. Um, that's what I look for. I mean, that's what, you know, if you come out, you feel it. Mm. You, you feel it rather than think it. Um, apart from that, well, you know, not falling off the stage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the, the play one. that goes wrong, they got it all right. It's yeah, just like yeah, stuck yeah. it to the, no, Not that. <laughs> um, is there any sort of way that you approach a piece that you're going to see? Do you do any research? Is mm. there, if it's a musical, would you listen to the cast album if that's been released? Or absolutely nothing? Do you go and you're an open book? Um, hmm, it, research is really tricky, actually. Mm. I mean, I think as the person writing about it, you ought to know something about it. <laughs> I mean, you, you shouldn't just waft up and go, who's Henry Gibson? I've never heard of him. You know, that's not, that's not really on. Um, I think you should know, uh, you should certainly know about certainly a classic what what it's what's important about it 
Um, most of the Shakespeare plays I, I sort of know just because I've seen them so many times, <laughs> partly, but um, I don't think... I once went to see a stage, an adaptation of a film, and I watched the film the afternoon. I hadn't seen it before, it was a Russian thing, so I watched it the afternoon before I saw the play, and that was a mistake, actually, right. because I went in trying to map the play onto the film the mm. whole time and seeing this. I think whatever you do, whether you um, reread the play, whether you read all about the play, whether you read pre-interviews, um, uh, whether you listen to the cast album, whatever you do, I mean, I do some of it, sometimes it's partly, yeah, um, but whatever you do, when you step through the door, the theatre, I think you have to park all that outside and just see what's happening on the stage and how you react to it and then go back and think about the bigger picture and everything. I think if you go in say, thinking, right, well, how is this going to relate to that? Or, you know, is this, is this production, is this Macbeth going to live up to, mm. you know, that Macbeth and things like that? You're, you know, you're just not reacting to what you're seeing. So that's a rather, it sort of depends, to be honest, but mm. whatever you do, I think you have to then leave a little gap. Yeah. And just go in you know absolutely um tabula rasa as it were just when you're actually watching it um but uh i think yeah i i do i like i do i have to confess i do like reading um interviews with people about what they're doing beforehand and that that's a bit naughty because then you go in sort of like ah what they're supposed to be doing yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that gives me a really good line yes yeah, i can pretend i thought of that myself <laughs> Suppose you're talking about Shakespeare as well. There must be plays where you've reviewed them countless yes. times. Yeah. And that must be a completely different experience to yeah. going and seeing something that's a new, new, newly written. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, I mean, yes. I mean, it's. Um, mm. I mean, obviously, a really great production of Shakespeare will make you feel like you haven't seen it before. Mm. Um, I mean, that um, production at uh, and of Andrew Scott mm. as Hamlet. I remember him walking in and doing to be or not to be. He, I think he walked through the auditorium and I, he did it at the Almeida, and he was no, actually it was the, no, it was the scene where he did oh that this too too solid flesh would melt, and he was looking at his yes. hands, and I suddenly saw that, and I saw he's seeing his hands for the first time. He's actually understanding that he's physical here for the first. And it just made the whole thing feel like it was freshly written. Mm. I mean, that is fantastic. When yeah. you see Shakespeare and it feels like it's new. And ideally, <laughs> that's how it should feel, isn't it? Um, each time. Of course, going to see a new play, you're right. It's the excitement. Uh, it, the excitement of going to see the something you have no place, idea what's yeah. going to happen. And that's wonderful. Um, yeah, that's really... Um, yeah, it's an adventure, basically. Mm, yeah. So once you... Uh once you get sent to see a show, or you, you mm. decide with, the, with your editor you're going to see this show, what's the timeline of you seeing it to then it being published? Um, yeah, well, uh, these days, of course, it can be almost instant. I mean, that's one of the big, big issues. Um, for the FT, um, I'm supposed to file by 11 the next morning, um, and then it goes online quite often that day. Um, obviously, with a column, it's slightly different because a column, you're, you know, you're compiling things. If it's, an, if it's a single review, we still do some single reviews. So, for instance, I did a single review of Present Laughter. Um, it, would be, uh, it would be on the page that same morning um, online and then in the newspaper, the printed version, the following day. Um, a lot of people file a lot earlier than that. And, you know, some people file on the night. Some people file um, very first thing in the morning and it's on, you know... It's these days it's got earlier and earlier and of yeah. course that's fantastic in one sense but also you do need time to try and 
write a piece of writing mm. that is coherent mm. <laughs> and you hope, you know, good. Um, so it's very pressurised, actually. Yeah. Um, I quite often stick just a little over that element. <laughs> 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 my very, very patient colleagues start ringing yeah. up saying, hey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But no, it's, it is that. I mean, it is, because we do stuff online, it is almost instant, actually. Mm. I mean, they obviously they sub it and read it and check it and edit it. But, um, yeah. Okay. So quite alarming, really. Mm. Off, yeah, your, quick off, your, off your laptop and onto yes. the <laughs> website within... You know, a very short space of time. So that press night, yeah. the first night where critics yeah. can get in there, do all critics go to review on the first night? Or do you are you sat there in the stalls looking over and seeing uh, all your other colleagues from other papers? Yeah, along uh, with the star spotting. That's <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, um, that certainly used to be the way. Um, it's... It's shifted a little. I mean, quite a lot of shows now, quite a lot of West End shows, and sometimes the National. And so, at certain places, they started to allow, they started to have a kind of bit of a rolling press night. Um, I think partly because it works nicely for the people on stage, they don't have this sort of firing squad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get, get it right on or, this night or else. Or else, yeah. <laughs> Um, and, um, and also, the slightly strange atmosphere can go with that, where you've mm. got a a whole bunch of critics and a whole bunch of people going, it's hilarious! Mm. This was trying to sort of balance it. Um, uh, partly so you avoid that, and partly I think because people have such complicated, you know, they've got a jigsaw of things. I mean, I think the other night there were three big things opened on the same night. Right. You know, they have to, yeah. you have to sort of, um, you know, you have to do a little bit of... So, and I think that probably works better for everybody, actually. Um, I think letting, you know, people come in. Um, I mean, you know... That performance, it's, every performance is different. Every night is different. Uh, there's, there's, there should be a sort of quality that stays mm. the same. But um, I think it's quite good, actually. It's a bit, it's a little bit freer and more open now. But yes, you do. Um, there's, there's still a sense, there's still an element of um, of looking at a, a row of people <laughs> with their notebooks. Yeah, and yes. <laughs> scribbling away. Yeah. So once the once the, that, that show's finished, yeah. are you very much kind of like, You've put the blinkers on. You're yeah. just trying to go and write what your yeah. your opinion is, or do you talk to other people, or talk to other critics, or is it straight to the bar, or is it straight <laughs> to the bar? <laughs> Never straight. <to> the bar. <laughs> um, no, it's um, there's an unspoken sort of code um, amongst critics that you don't discuss the play you're watching in the interval, and I think we don't all get together in a little cabal and <laughs> <laughs> sort of work Take notes, yeah. and say. One star, one star. Yeah. Um, no, you, you really try to. We really try to avoid that. Actually, it's a sort of. It's a real. It's quite a no-no. Actually, to to talk about it. Um, what the critics often talk about, apart from the football, <laughs> the cricket, right. um, <laughs> is um, is stuff they've already. You know, they've all seen previously. So um, that's you know that's okay. What you know, people talk about what they saw a couple of nights mm. ago, and they talk. You know, chew that over. Which is really interesting, but um, no, there's a you know it's um, very much not. Um, so I hope that reassures people out yeah. there who think that we all get together in a little huddle uh, half time yeah. and sort of work out what we're going to say. Um, of course, occasionally if a show is blindingly fantastic or dismally terrible, it's going to be hard to, hard to ignore. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. the elephant in the room, the wink. Well, you can see. Well, I don't know about tipping the wink, but you can see how people are reacting. Um, <laughs> if people are sitting there sobbing, mm. um, um, 
and so and they should be sobbing. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> so sobbing bad. at a new comedy. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, that's. I mean, it should affect you. Mm. I mean, then you, it's obvious that. Um, uh, of course, if other people are sitting there sobbing and you're not, you're like, ah, yeah. <laughs> what's wrong with me? Yeah. <laughs> what's wrong? What have I not seen? That they are? Yeah. But yeah, no. The the idea is, I think you should really try and avoid. I mean, it's it's impossible these days to avoid everything. I mean, there's such a on Twitter and so forth. There's a sort of instant opinion, and there's mm. you know you can't really. Uh, and you can feel in just the audience as well how the audience is reacting, whether it's fantastic or not. There's a. Um, and you, you'd be inhuman if you didn't take that in, of yeah. it, I think. I mean, that's... And I think it's also quite good to have a sort of, rel- you know, qualifying few breaks on your own opinion. Um, but it has to be... You, what you write has to be what you think, doesn't it, really? Yes. Otherwise, what's mm. the point? Yeah, um, and then you have to sort of try and say why you think it and why you feel it and make people, or at least express to people, try and convince people um, by showing them... By you know, by drawing a picture and and, uh, and backing up your mm. <laughs> your opinion, hopefully, um, why? And then they can disagree with you or agree with you. But um, but I think yeah, it's sort of that's ideally or not all um, chatting about any feeling of guilt say you've seen a show you've uh, you've given it one star mm. critics agree that it's all a one star um is there any sort of feeling of guilt or you know like oh my god this this could this is people's jobs you know this hu- potentially hundreds of people could be out mm. of work um well that, i mean it's a really good question i think there's i think you have to be you really should be aware of your responsibility as a critic. I mean, I really think to sort of go crashing around, doling out one stars here would be really, really irresponsible. You have to think about that. Um, particularly, you know, if you're a critic in the national press, you do have some sort of, we don't have much power actually, <laughs> but you have some. Um, I think the days when, you know, the Frank Rich Butcher of Broadway sort of days when, you know, one review in the New York Times would close a show overnight. Mm. I, don't, I don't think they exist anymore. I don't think so really. But Generally speaking, I think um, just me writing a one-star review probably wouldn't close a show. Uh, I think if everybody writes a one-star review, or nearly there's everybody, there's probably yeah. it's probably unlikely unless they're really mistaken and you know critics can be completely wrong. Um, there probably is something up. Um, of course, we also have shows that critics have slated that have gone on and been really, yeah. really successful. So. Um, in answer to your question, uh, yeah, you, you have to have a sense of responsibility about that. I think um, I am very aware of that, actually, and I don't, I never, I never write, or I hope I never write personal stuff mm-hmm. about how people look or anything like that. I'm very aware that, yes, a lot of work has gone into this um, and that people have to do it again the next night. So it's different from reviewing film, which is kind of done. Um, what you say might affect how people will then mm, perform future the future yeah. so I do think I mean you know so I do think you have to just be yeah really bear that in mind and um, uh, I would yeah I don't know if that would I would I feel guilty I would feel guilty yes I doubt it would happen mm. unless 
there was something wrong, really was something wrong with the show, because I think I, I think my opinion wouldn't be enough to close a good show <laughs> mm. <laughs> or a show that a lot of people thought was good, mm. you know. So, but yes, I agree. You really do need to be responsible. Yeah. With with things like, like we were saying about Twitter and yeah. just everyone being able to put their opinions out so quickly about mm. things, do you, do you ever get... Uh, any backlash or like people supporting you like um any kind of reviews of your review i suppose <laughs> <laughs> uh, um yeah a bit um i don't get i don't get too many i, I haven't had artists writing angry things to me maybe that maybe that's going to change now <laughs> i'm not going to write and say you are totally irresponsible <laughs> i hate everything you do which fair enough, okay. Um, <laughs> as long as they can back it up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, it's uh, yes, you do. I think Twitter can be great for discussion and um, things like that. I think it it can get a bit. Sometimes it can get a bit personal. Mm. Um, I haven't been involved in any of that, but I've seen people having quite personal arguments um, on Twitter about art, which is not, which can be because Twitter is so blunt. It mm. <laughs> can be quite painful. Um, I haven't had. I don't think I've really had very much in the way of angry letters and things from the creative um, teams and things. I have occasionally from readers. Right. <laughs> um, I got a reader who wrote into me quite a few years ago when Patrick Stewart did Macbeth about how, how shocking it was to have given a good review to um, <laughs> Macbeth that wasn't set in a traditional uh, right. setting. Um, so. And with with that, I thought, well, you know, I did say, in the, <laughs> don't go see it if you yeah, don't like yeah. that sort of stuff. Anyway, um, no, and I get, and you do now, of course, get people underneath your reviews saying this is rubbish, uh, which is very painful actually. Mm. I've, I have had that quite a lot. People just saying, um, how could you give a good review to this show? It's rubbish, and things like that. Um, and it, yeah, I mean, it's quite. I suppose it's quite good because it's you getting a taste of your own medicine and it's making you think, well, this is what it feels like to have somebody, you know, diss your stuff. Yeah, and, um, you know, it stings. Um, so um, I think it's probably healthy, although I don't like it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just like, just yeah. like people who put on a show probably think it's yeah. probably healthy if someone comes along and says they don't like it, but I don't like them. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it has developed. It's it's mostly good, I think. Um, it can get a bit ugly, and then you do get people. I mean, I we don't get it so much, but you see people on the Guardian website just saying, you know, all these lovies are rubbish and things like this, and you think, why? Why? That's just a, a pointless opinion, mm, yeah, exactly. actually. So, um, uh, yeah, it's made it. I think what's what's good about it is it's made it. I think criticism ought to be part of a conversation. And if you're honestly going to be honest about that, then it should be a conversation. And actually, me just monologuing on what I think isn't a conversation, is it? So it's probably good. Because I think that um, writing about theatre ought to be part of us discussing the arts, how the arts are, you know, responding to what we see. And then, yes, if artists want to come back and respond to that, that's good. I think as long as everybody's, you know, not just, you know, trying to punch each other. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Have you ever gone to see a show maybe a year or two years after you've reviewed it and completely changed your mind? I'm not sure about completely, but certainly I was one of the many millions of people, not millions, but that's not fair, no, many, <laughs> the many people who were so shocked by Sarah Kane's Blasted that I've 
failed to grasp how important it was in a way. Um, and that, that is one of the massive challenges, I think, of trying to write about theatre, is that when you see something that's completely new in form, it's very hard to assess, and it's very easy to just go, I don't understand this, I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Or just sort of mis just misunderstand what someone's trying to do. It's very hard to review something that is new, yeah, that is breaking the rules, that is doing something completely different. And... Um, and Sarah Kane's Bastard was very distressing as well, mm. and I think that had a big impact. And you know, I think, I think I, along with, you know, um, m many people say that we didn't, um, we just reacted to what we saw rather than what she was really to say. doing, and also how profound her in input in, you know, how you do a play about mm. stuff was. So yeah, that that was one. Um, Mostly, I think not as radically as that. I, into answering your question, I don't think I would have changed my mind as radically mm. as that. Um, yeah, and uh, and I think it's. I mean, Michael Billington came out and was honest about that, and I think it's important to you know changing your mind can be good. And it's human as well. It know. is. It is. Of course, what you have as a critic is you have a platform. So I think um, that's one of the reasons why I think it's important to try and be responsible if you can. I'm sure people listening to this are going to go, well, you got this wrong, you got that wrong, you got <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yeah. wrong, you got the other yeah. thing wrong. Sarah, why not have you? Exactly. Um, fair enough. Um, but yes, it's uh, you have a platform and you know it's human to make mistakes and to change your mind. And actually one of the things you realise as you get older as well is you see things slightly differently when you're older, I think. Um, you probably appreciate... Um, plays about fragility and vulnerability on stage perhaps more than you do as a young mm. person. I don't know, maybe that's unfair, but um, yes, you're inclined to see how, how easy we can mess up and so you're inclined to see um, flawed protagonists rather differently. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Is there any sort of particular genre of theatre that you really enjoy going to critique? Um, Do you enjoy musicals, plays, Shakespeare? I mean, what's what gets you going? Oh God, I'm quite um, eclectic actually, um, which I think is probably quite good. Mm. I don't hate anything. Um, I do love seeing new plays actually. Uh, they're always hard because this is always a challenge. Mm. Do you understand it? Have you can and, and you're trying to do a lot of things at once. You're trying to talk, you're trying to understand the play, um, and you're trying to assess the production of that play. And it can be very hard to put a a cigarette paper between them, mm -hmm. you know, which is, is this working because of the actor or is mm -hmm. it working because of the part or both or is it not working because of the direction or is it, you know, it's it's a really challenge and that's probably one reason why, you know, I didn't quite, didn't get blasted. Um, not that it was a production, but just there was so much mm -hmm. you're trying to assess at once. Um, I went to see Carol Churchill's place the other day and I sat there going, oh, I'm, you're, you're down halfway down the road and I'm trying to tie my laces, you know, trying mm -hmm. to keep up with you. You are so, because she just changes the form every time mm -hmm. she, she does it. And that is hard to write, it's incredibly hard to write about and it's thrilling. So I think probably of all of them, new work. Um, but then there are plays that you think, oh, can I stand another, you know, three sisters and you go and see and you go, I've just fallen in love again, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's, you know, so I think there are those great, great plays that, you know, you go and see, uh, I go see Uncle Vanya and you think this time 
this time they're going to get it together. <laughs> they are. Yeah. Come on. Just notice her. Come on. Please. Oh. You know, and it's sort of... So I think those great, great plays, doesn't matter how many times yeah, you see yeah, them, yeah. they just, they touch you. So in answer to your question, probably new work, but yeah. I, do, I do love seeing those great old plays. Fantastic. Do you ever find when you're actually writing the review do you have like a is there like a word count that you have to kind of hit are you, are you ever like thinking I have not got enough uh, to talk about for this one or maybe uh, oh, that's direction? very I've rare so, so much to say but uh, not enough words uh, generally speaking I should probably pick it up I'm quite a gabby sort of person <laughs> just what we like yeah. <laughs> I tend to yatter on yeah. um, no, I tend to find, yes, we do have a workout, yeah. and you bust it all the time. And they say, and you go, please just look at it. And they go, nope, <laughs> we have got no more space. Uh, it's, it's actually a great discipline, actually, to try and say what you need to say in however many words. Um, we used to, uh, it's nice having a column, because you've, you've got a little bit of elastic in there. Um, but... We used to write 600 words, and then it got, when we did individual reviews, then it got cut down to, you know, 500, 450, 400. Right. I just, and we were supposed to do 370, I think, at the end. I used to just do 400 all the time and hope <laughs> I get away with it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, now they've gone back up again, as I right. said earlier. But I think, yeah, we do have a workout, and it's usually phenomenally hard to get what you want to say in it. Um because you can't get, you know, it's trying to get nuance, it's trying not to just say stuff mm. and not back it up. Um, and it's also trying, the other thing about trying to write uh, about theatre is you're actually trying to write. So you want to try and, if you possibly can, aim, uh, aim to try and write well, you know? So mm. that's another thing. You want it to read well. You don't want to, you know, you want to try and entertain a bit. You want to, you know, don't want to bore your mm. readers to death. <laughs> so, you know, it's trying to do all that in a small space is quite challenging. And you press send and think, ah, yeah. I should have said this. No, absolutely. Um, so you, uh, as we were saying before, you, you teach drama criticism. I do. Yeah, lucky them. <laughs> <laughs> what, advi what advice would you give to anyone that, uh, that's interested in getting into critiquing? Um, do it, I think. See, um, see a lot. Write about it. Um, read other critics. I guess take a look at how people do it. I think I was very lucky. I had, I think I had, you know, I, there's sort of two takeaways from my sort of own personal story, really, I think, which is, um, one, do it yourself. And now, of course, you wouldn't start a magazine, you'd maybe start a blog. Mm. Um... I mean, I know some fantastic writers, actually, who do, that's how they've got into it, really. They've set up their personal blog and worked and worked and worked away at it. And, you know, it's, it's going traction. People have read them and gone, this, is, this person writes really, really well. Um, and what they have to say is really interesting. And quite often in those blogs, you can do m sort of more, actually, than you can in a printed paper. And I think as you can be... Because you're not tied down to it. Yes, or a style or whatever. Um, so that's one thing. I think do it. Just do it, practice it, think about it. Um, and then the other thing is do, yeah, knock on doors. You know, I was phenomenally lucky, really, that somebody generously gave me the time of day. And eventually somebody hopefully will, you mm. know, and that's, I think it's probably true. 
of um, all the theatrical mm, professions, yeah, isn't it? Right. It's, you know, get that you get foot in the door and then it foot in the door. Opens up but if you don't ask, you know, um, don't try. Um, and there are people out there, there are generous people out there who will listen and give you a chance, you know, if you can find them, there really are. So I, I think that's what I would say, actually. Um, and, you know, when you go, go to see things, write, write about them and then think about what it is that, think about what the big questions are. What, you know, what are the big, what's the big question about this show? Why is it happening? What's important? How does it talk about the world we live in? Because from what I see of theatre, most of it, you know, it's not done in a vacuum. These are artists responding to the world, you know, right now. I mean, um, there's so many plays that, on a tangent, are about what's happening, mm. you know, Brexit and so forth. Um, you know, they're, they're talking about that, about identity, about what, who we are, what we are, what matters. And so think about the, the bigger context as well, I'd say. Probably, that's probably roughly my advice. I'm not sure wow. how good it is. <laughs> but, yeah. So this has yeah. been wonderful. I'm going to... We're going to finish on a really quick question. Oh, yeah. um, just about um, outside of critiquing, you said about a book you're working on just before we started this oh. recording. Uh, can you tell us a bit about that? Because that does sound fascinating. Oh, right. Well, this was um, this has been a joy, actually. Um, I, I was asked by the National Theatre to write a little guide um, because they have many wonderful books about the National Theatre, but they're all, they tend to be quite big and they wanted a small kind of um, a bit like they do these backstage guys which lots of you know lots of people would have been on um, so I've written this little guide to the National Theatre it's it's a bit of a history um, about how the National Theatre came about which is in itself a saga um, <laughs> a very long saga which yeah. um, I've had to cut right down but um, yeah so there's, so there's something about that and about the you know the architect and the artist directors and the, but the bit that I have found most most enjoyable doing it actually is that the second half of the book is all about what goes into making a show and how any theatre is a sort of creative factory and how the National Theatre is a very big creative factory and so I would talk to all the different departments so I talked to directors, designers, um, lighting designer, um, sound designer, um, I went to the costume department and watched how they worked. I talked to dressers and, you know, they are phenomenal people who get yeah. people in and out of costumes in under a minute backstage in the dark in a tiny, <laughs> tiny space. Um, the, the people who make the set, the people who do the lighting, the people who do the sound, um, the voice coach, the, the movement coach, all those people. Um, the wonderful actor, Lucien Samasi, um, talked me through his whole... Um, pre-show routine mm. and, uh, and then you know very generously took me into his dressing room when he was playing Salieri in Amadeus so it was um, so that's the book so it's a little bit about that and for me it was it was wonderful to be backstage seeing how you know how all the work that goes into what you see when you step into a theatre and the lights go go down um, down in the auditorium yeah. up on the stage <laughs> <laughs> hopefully um, but uh, so that's what it is. So that's um, so in a way, what I've been doing is sort of similar, I think, in, in yeah, to what you're yeah, doing this podcast, which is trying to get to find out what people do. And um, you know, it's it's uh, 
There's a lot of work. Yeah. A lot of work. There's a lot of people doing a lot, a lot of, of jobs. A lot of people working yeah. very hard. I mean, just making a wig, wow. I know. Me, uh, me and Spencer yeah. have seemed to go away with it for the, like, the last few years of uh, not doing much, so uh, we can uh, appreciate all the work that goes into it. <laughs> oh, I thought you were saying that we've got, been getting away with not needing a wig. <laughs> <laughs> Which is also not true. Yet. For now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sarah, this has been... Utterly fantastic. Thank yeah, you so really much. Yeah, really brilliant. Thank oh, you so good. much. Thank you so much for asking me. No, absolute pleasure. Thank it's you. A pleasure.